What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Nick Mo Cedar here, and guys, we have to cover something uh, very extremely disturbing and troubling. See, you know, when we file election fraud cases, they all get tossed out on standing, you know, and nobody will actually look at the merits of the cases. But when the deep state or the bad actors file defamation suits against us, those cases are allowed to go forward. And, I mean, these cases, we, we, we have American patriots, true heroes that have been thrown in jail. And the judge did this without ever looking at the merits or the evidence against the plaintiff's Konek. This is a completely one-sided and two-tiered justice system. And guys, uh, I understand that this is very shocking to a lot of people. And I understand that this is probably very confusing to a lot of people, especially if you haven't followed this defamation case very closely. The defamation case filed by Konek against uh, True the Vote. But I have. I've actually done you know, my best to do my due diligence and read pretty much the entire court docket and every publicly available document so I can understand what the hell just happened. And uh, you know, we, we covered this case before. We did an entire live stream about it, and we talked about how, despite the fact that Eugene Yu, the CEO of, of Konek, was arrested on October 4th for essentially the same thing that True the Vote was alleging, that they... Uh, compromised PII, personal identifying information, on U.S. poll workers, uh, that this information was being stored on a server in China. I mean, Eugene Yu was arrested for this data breach in uh, break, breaching the contract with L.A. County, right? Despite that fact, this case has not gone in true the vote's favor whatsoever. And the Judge Hoyt does not consider that that... that Arrest has any relevance to this defamation case and hasn't been willing to look at any of the evidence that would substantiate and vindicate the claims made by True the Vote. I mean, this is completely crazy. And and what's weird is this judge was actually appointed by by Ronald Reagan. So, I mean, we're, we're used to this type of thing happening from uh, Obama and Clinton judges, right? But this guy was actually appointed by Ronald Reagan. Um, but, you know, it, I've, I've had people send me articles of this dude's track record and uh, this is this is not the first time that he's been completely biased and corrupt. So, um, but man, so let, I want to get into this, guys. I want to give you guys a lot of information. Uh, you know, like I said, I went through the entire court docket, and I want to give you guys a lot of information in a short amount of time to give you a brief summary of what happened and what this means going forward. But let's start at the big news. If you haven't heard yet. At 10.30 a.m. this morning, roughly, True the Vote, uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht, the people, you know, from the movie 2000 Mules, they were actually taken into custody by U.S. Marshals and arrested, jailed, and held in, I mean, for contempt of court. Contempt of court, meaning disobeying the orders of the judge. And so uh, the reason is because Greg Phillips and Catherine have refused to identify the third man present in the hotel room in Dallas, Texas, back in January, when they originally, um, where 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 Konex data was originally shown to Greg Phillips. Okay, now, like I said, this is massive. This is huge. Very shocking. Um, so what I what I've done here is I've done to the best of my ability, go through all the the entire court docket, and basically take notes and 
I've got a lot of notes in front of me, and I'm going to be reading pretty much directly from them because I want to be very precise, okay? I don't want to go off the cuff and just say things that aren't accurate. So I want to actually read you guys my notes, and I think I'm going to post this as a Substack article after the fact. Um, but we're going to get into this. But So essentially, the reason they're being held in contempt is for not complying with the temporary restraining order that was filed by Konek along with the defamation suit back on September 12th, 2022. So <clears throat> on September 12th, they filed the defamation suit as well as a computer fraud suit and a temporary restraining order. They claim that True the Vote had spread baseless claims uh, about their company. They damaged Konek beyond repair. They hurt their business. And they also uh, put them in harm's way because of these, you know, these racist, xenophobic conspiracy theorists at True the Vote said all these, these things about Konek at the pit. And then all these journalists went around spreading baseless conspiracy theories. Eugene Yu and his family actually had to go into hiding because they received death threats. So that's the basis of the original defamation suit. And uh, they also claim that uh, the way the way that their systems are set up, they're so secure, their computers are so safe and secure, that the only way they could have obtained data is if they stole it. So that explains the computer fraud suit. And along with the lawsuit, they also filed a temporary restraining order. Okay? So... Before we talk about this, keep in mind, uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht right now are in jail. And this is not the result of a criminal. This is not a criminal suit. There's been no criminal file or criminal charges brought against these two people. This is a civil case. And this is more or less a procedural. Uh, I, I mean, once you guys understand the the how biased this judge is. Then you'll understand they're they're literally in jail for no reason. And this is a travesty. And this is just yet another example of how our justice system is completely broken beyond repair. Okay, so let's talk about this. This is where I'm going to get into my notes. And again, I want to be very precise. And I want you guys to just take it all in. So this is a sequential. You know, this is how things went in order from the beginning of this case to today. And it's not going to be very long. Mind you, I've summarized long uh, uh, court documents into a matter of sentences. So let's first talk about this temporary restraining order, which the judge just said Greg Phillips and Catherine have not complied with, and that's why they're in jail. So on September 12th, they filed a restraining order against True the Vote, and the terms were as follows. One, to prevent True the Vote from accessing or attempting to access Conex protected computers. Two, to return to Konek all property and data obtained from Konek's protected computers. Three, to prevent True the Vote from using, disclosing, or exploiting the property and data that was downloaded. Four, to preserve and not, not to delete, destroy, conceal, or otherwise alter any files or other data obtained. Five, to identify each individual and or organization involved in accessing Konek's protected computers. Six, Force the defendants, meaning true the vote, to confidentially disclose to Konek how, when, and by whom its servers were accessed without authority so that additional necessary security measures can be implemented by Konek to maintain the integrity of the data therein in light of the upcoming midterm elections. And seven, ordering the defendants, 
Greg and Catherine, to identify all persons and or entities in defendant's knowledge who have had possession, custody, or control of any information or data. Now, immediately after this restraining order was filed, Judge Kenneth Hoyt granted this motion uh, without a hearing. (laughs) I mean, they weren't even present. And the reason is, get this, Judge Hoyt said that um, Konek was likely to win this defamation case on the merits without ever seeing any evidence whatsoever. He said, Konek is likely to win this case on the merits from day one, meaning he was completely on the side of Konek and believed that they were innocent and that Greg Phillips and Catherine were criminals from the minute that this case was filed. And they, he said the reason is because Greg Phillips publicly admitted to stealing data from Konex protected computers, I guess, in interviews or podcasts. So Konex, in their original complaint, they took quotes from Greg Phillips. And, you know, they, you had Greg talking about how, you know, back in January, they were up in a hotel and his guys were showing him this stuff. And they used that in their original complaint and said that uh, what they did was illegal. So the judge said, based on that, you guys are likely to win on the merits. And so I'm going to grant you this restraining order, because if I don't, then you could be irreparably injured if I don't, right? Basically, (coughs) you guys are total victims here. True the votes, uh, xenophobic, racist, conspiracy theorists. What they've done is illegal. And without looking at any evidence... Um, I'm going to grant you this temporary restraining order to protect you from further harm without a hearing. Okay. Now, so true. The vote obviously had a problem with this, you know, because, uh, well, first of all, the first four, the first four items or subsections of the restraining order are pretty simple because true. The vote maintains that we didn't steal anything and we didn't illegally access anything. Essentially, we uh, we were shown, Greg Phillips was shown by these data experts, a bunch of data that was obtained from a server in China. So, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. If they were able to do that, if this data comes from a server in China, then it's not a protected computer belonging to Konek, right? And if it is, if it is a Konek server then everything that we've said is accurate. So there's this, uh, you know, there, there's this little discrepancy here where, you know, Conant claims that they illegally accessed their computers, but Truth Vote's saying, how could we have done that if what we accessed was in China? If your systems are secure here in the U.S., then this isn't your data, right? We, I mean, this must belong to somebody else. That's that's kind of that's kind of why this is uh this is this is ridiculous, right? So here's the thing: True the Vote uh, attempted to comply with the restraining order. Three days later, after the judge granted it, three days later on September 15th, True the Vote's legal counsel attempted to file the name of one confidential source, Mike Hassan. The guy's name is Mike Hassan. He was the guy that was in the hotel room with Greg Phillips. On it back in, uh, I think it was 
January 2021. And uh, so here's what they did. They said, look, we don't want to give this guy's name to Koenig because, I mean, that would dox him. And we believe these people are, like, completely in bed with the CCP. So if we give them this guy's name, that's going to put him in harm's way. Also, this whole thing is part of an FBI investigation. So, uh, we, I mean, we can't disclose this because it's likely classified. That would be a violation of federal law. So here's what we're willing to do. We're going to put it under seal with the court so the judge can see it, but Conet can't. All right? And so, uh... We want to keep our confidential source out of harm's way. So they, they, they typed up a letter and submitted it to the court with Mike Hassan's name on it, and it was under seal. Now, Konek did not go for this at all. Konek said on September 21st that the defendants have failed to comply with three subsections of the TRO. Essentially, Konek argued that the TRO specifically demands True the Vote to tell them who this guy's name is. It doesn't say you can put it under seal with the court. It says you have to tell us directly. And so regardless of whether or not there's an ongoing FBI investigation, you still need to tell us who this guy is, and you need to tell us how, where, and when the data was obtained so that they can tighten up their security. I mean, that's according to Konek. They're saying the reason they need this information is because if there was a breach, well, we would need to tighten up our security and figure out how this happened and patch it so it doesn't happen again, and we need to do this before the midterms. That's their argument, okay? But, I mean, I think really what they want to know is what's this guy's name so that we can threaten or intimidate um, and, and put him in harm's way and dox him, right? Now... That was September 21st. On September 23rd, True the Vote asserts again that they believe to turn over the name of the individual would uh, be a significant national security and law enforcement. Uh, it, it would have law enforcement implications, right? Because they believe that it would be a violation of federal law <coughs> um, and that they have a greater duty to the United States not to make the name of the individual available to Konek. Because, see, here's the thing. And I want to talk about this briefly before we move on. There, You know, you had guys like Phil Godlewski or, Go, I don't know how to say his name, Phil Godlewski, whatever the hell his name is, the guy that gets like 50,000 live viewers for talking about the fact that Hillary Clinton's a clone and whatnot. But, so, this guy was saying that True the Vote admitted in court that they were confidential informants and presented this as if this was something they hid from the public and this is proof that they're not on the good guy's side. They're actually working for the bad guys. But that's totally ridiculous. What that really proves is that there was an actual FBI investigation into Konek and that they were actually taking this seriously. And so this whole... It really just substantiates their argument that there's something to this Konex story, if anything. They never hid this from the public. If you remember, Greg Phillips has said publicly many times that, uh, you know, we were communicating with the target. You know, we were working with the FBI, directly with the FBI. I mean, what do you think that means? They were, he was, he'd been telling people all along 
that they were given confidential informant status. So basically what happened was they got this data shown to them in a hotel room back in January 2021, uh, which showed a massive data breach, compromised poll worker data, and they took it to the FBI. Now, initially, what happened was they took it to their friends at the FBI. Because remember, True the Vote is a uh, an organization that... Guys, am I still live? Because I just got a notification that OBS is messing up. Somebody please let me know in the chat. I just got a freaking notification that OBS has shut down. I'm still live. Okay, I'm sorry, guys, for the interruption there. But I'm getting an error. Okay, reconnection successful. Sorry about that. Now, where was I? Okay, so, True the Vote had friends in the FBI, and they they took the data to the FBI and gave it to them, right? And then what the FBI did was they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to make you guys confidential informants, and we want you to communicate with Konek, and we want you to probe them and uh, get more information, right, under the CI status to help us with our investigation, and so that's what they did. They were cooperating with law enforcement. And in a in a just world where the FBI actually does their job, that's exactly what you should have done. Okay? And at some point, at some point, the FBI turned on True the Vote, right? And this was when Washington, D.C. headquarters got involved. At first, it was the low uh, low agents on the totem pole, they're friends at the FBI. But at a certain point, Washington, D.C. headquarters got involved, and that's when the whole thing turned around on True the Vote, and they started accusing them of stealing Konex data. And they lost their confidential informant status. According to Catherine, they lost that status sometime in, I think, May. Okay, and so the FBI started targeting them. And so the fact that they were confidential informants really doesn't, mean that they're not to be trusted is what I'm trying to say. I want to really emphasize that because this guy, Phil Godlewski, has a big platform. Now, was it a mistake to trust the FBI? I'd say. I mean, I, I really, I certainly wouldn't trust the FBI, you know, just shortly after the January 6th false flag, but I don't know. I guess when you have friends at the FBI that you do trust, you don't think that they're going to, you know, the, the the top brass is going to step in and turn the thing around on you. I don't know. But I just don't go for that whole line of thinking that they're, they're, they're compromised because of the CI status. Because, I mean, they never hid this from anybody. They've been talking about this the entire time. Okay, now, so I, I, I just told you guys that True the Vote responded to the contempt motion. And they said, we believe that to identify this individual would violate federal law. But the judge did not accept this whatsoever and did not think there was any reason to keep the their data guy, his name, under seal. And so, basically, they said, you've got to tell Konek the name of your confidential source of the data. And so, at an in-person hearing on October 6th, True the Vote's attorneys were forced to read into the record the name of Mike Hassan and claimed in open court that Mike Hassan was the one 
that uh, invited Greg Phillips to a hotel room in Dallas and showed him what he, he allegedly had found on a Konex server in China. Now, Mr. Hassan then gave Greg Phillips a copy of that data, and that's when they took it to the FBI. So they forced them to dox their witness, but, but the judge still wasn't satisfied. After they doxed their witness, then the judge asked for more details about Hassan's identity. And Phillips told the court that he had no way of contacting Hassan. I mean, Phillips basically was like, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to the guy since we met in a hotel except through, you know, signal messaging apps. I haven't seen him. I don't know. What, what do you want me to tell you? And so Konek, uh, they pressed the issue and they wanted more I- identifying information on Mike Hassan. And so uh, they they claimed that not only did they want more information about Mike Hassan, but they also claimed that they didn't think Mike Hassan worked alone, that there was another guy in the hotel. So basically Koenig was saying that True the Vote's uh, lying or they're trying to half-ass the truth. They're giving the name of one guy, but we know there was more than one because they've said it in radio interviews. They referred to their team they refer to their guys, their data guys, and I mean, in all fairness, that's true. Greg Phillips had said, you know, these are the some of the best guys in the country. Uh, these data guys are highly skilled. They're some of the best. Always referring in plural, like to multiple people. So Konek was not satisfied with them naming one person. They wanted to know who was the other guy, and they also wanted to know what organization he's a part uh what organization are they part of um where do they live they wanted to know everything and uh they they so at this point truth vote then appeared to confirm that there was more than one guy in the hotel room before the court Catherine Engelbrecht said before the court that quote every time I, every name i give you gets doxxed and harassed and I know what happened to Mike after his name was released, and he's in hiding. This is what Catherine said to the court, right? And so then the judge interjected, and the judge said, wait a second, excuse me, how do you know he's in hiding? Because Greg just said you guys haven't seen him or talked to him. And Catherine kind of uh, backed off of that and was like, well, it's been rumored. It's been rumored. I, I heard that he's in hiding. Okay, so Catherine and, and Phillips... Um, this is where this is where things get a little dicey. Like, I think that these these two, Catherine and Greg, really wanted to protect their their guys from being doxxed, harmed, harassed, and uh, you know they they had kind of got them in a corner with the public statements ba- made by Greg Phillips, where they really couldn't deny anymore that there was more than one person, and so this is where they they kind of had to fess up that. Well, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to say that they were lying. I'm trying to say that they they were trying to kind of say, we don't know, we don't know. And then they kept pulling up quotes like, well, you said there was multiple people. so And so eventually they had to kind of concede that there was more than one. Um, but here's what they said after that. Okay, this second guy. This second guy is a confidential informant for the FBI. And not only is he a part of this investigation, but he's a part of another matter relating to drug cartels at the border. 
And so if you if you make us give up this guy's name, then the drug cartels are literally going to kill this guy. Think about it. This this guy's like basically an undercover cop trying to bust the drug cartels at the border, and you want me to dox him and and say his name? Well then he's 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 basically going to get killed. And not only that, but I don't think the FBI wants us to disclose his name either. So <clears throat> This is, this is their defense. This is what they were saying to the courts. But at the end of the hearing, Judge Hoyt stated that despite the fact that they disclosed Mike Hassan's identity, the defendant still did not identify the organization that he was a part of, and they didn't identify the other person that was in the hotel room. And so on October 7th, the court found that the defendants, Greg Phillips <coughs> and Catherine Engelbrecht, remained in contempt of court. Remained in contempt. Okay? So uh, he just wasn't happy with their reasons for why... I mean, they they attempted to give up Mike's name. Here's what they said. Look, okay. The first four subsections of the TRO are completely irrelevant because, one, we didn't steal anything. Two, we don't plan to release it. Three, we can't release it because it's with the FBI. The only copy's with them. So that's a non-issue. And... We don't want to dox our guys because we think it would be a violation of federal law. But then once you insisted, they gave up a name. All right? So they, they, they pretty much did everything they could, uh, apart from breaking federal law. But the judge still was not happy with that. And on October 7th said, you guys are still in contempt. You guys are still not complying. Okay? Now, also, after... um. I'm sorry, this is a very important detail. October 7th, when the judge said you guys are still in contempt, this was three days after Eugene Yu was arrested. Eugene Yu was arrested by LA, the L.A. District Attorney as part of an investigation for doing exactly what True the Vote had alleged, which led to the defamation case. So you would think that immediately after Eugene was arrested, this whole thing would be tossed. This whole thing would be thrown out. But that's not what happened at all. What happened is, three days after Eugene was arrested, the judge said, you guys are still in contempt of court. And when it was attempted to present this fact to the judge, that, hey, this guy was literally arrested for the same thing that we said, the judge wanted nothing to do with it. He said, that's, that's got to do, uh, do with California. I don't want to hear that. That's got nothing to do with what we're do- dealing with here in this courtroom. It's, it's, it's completely irrelevant. So, that's the point where you know for a fact this judge is 100% on their side. Said that you guys are likely to win on the merits, granted the restraining order, and said three days after Eugene was arrested, you guys are in contempt. Now, fast forward, there was a contempt hearing. Um, a contempt hearing on the 27th, where Judge Hoyt said that true the vote would be held in jail unless they complied with the three outstanding conditions of the TRO. And he gave them until 9 a.m. on the 31st to comply. Okay? So this was the 27th. He said, you guys got four days to give up the goods or you're going to jail. And so Catherine Engelbrecht attempted to submit text messages between herself and the FBI uh, showing that they made contact and they were trying to get information about whether or not 
they could disclose this guy's name. They didn't want to break federal law, and so they, they contacted the FBI. And in fact, let me just pull up the text. I'm going to pull up the text message because I think it's important, like I said, to be very precise. Okay? So this is a <coughs> excuse me. This is the text between Catherine Engelbrecht and the FBI agent, which is in her phone under the name KK. So you can see she tried to call multiple times and text her and said, checking to see if you are at this number. And KK responded and said, I am. Hope you are doing well. Catherine said on the October 6th, not so much. Would love to talk in person if possible. Glad to come to you. Wednesday, October 12th, six days later, KK responded and said, Unfortunately, I'm on a temporary assignment out of state until January. Do you still have Bobby's number? And Catherine said, Yes. I've called and written him, but no response. We have been dr- drug into a vicarious... I'm sorry. We have been drug into a vicious lawsuit filed against us by Konek. Federal judges requiring all manner of what we think should be confidential disclosures. Our attorneys have contacted the FBI and been told that the Bureau has no interest in engaging with the court in order to maintain confidentiality. Greg, me, and the researcher who originally provided us the data, we then provided to Bobby, are all in danger. We have all been doxxed. It is all over the press. Lastly, there is the possibility that I have been poisoned. Toxicology reports are being reviewed now. It's a very serious situation, and we've been left to hang. Eugene Yu has already been indicted by a grand jury and arrested by Los Angeles County. Uh, Meanwhile, we continue to hear chatter that the FBI is working with Konek against us and still trying to accuse us of crimes we did not commit. What Bobby said on the phone that day in April April of 2022, when you were reading the yearly CI disclaimer to me, has gone into full overdrive. We operated in good faith with the Bureau. Never did anything even approaching a crime kept y'all fully apprised and have nowhere to turn as we are literally fighting for our freedom now every single day. I believe you are a true patriot. Beyond that, I also now believe Greg and I have been set up. It's appalling, heartbreaking, and wrong. I wish you were here and wish you could help, but I know that's not possible. Wherever you are, I hope you are safe. Please keep us in your prayers. So again, this is these are the texts that uh, Catherine submitted to the court to basically show that I mean, we've attempted to make contact multiple times. You know, the the judge wants us to disclose what we think is uh, to remain confidential. And we've tried to contact the FBI multiple times to no avail. Okay, so she submitted this. And Greg Phillips also submitted an affidavit. And in Greg Phillips' affidavit, he stated that to the best of his knowledge... One, the computer that was accessed is not owned by Konex, so it doesn't con- classify as Konex protected computer. Two, Greg Phillips agreed to cooperate with the subsection six of the temporary restraining order by confidentially submitting evidence to the court, uh, meaning under seal. So again, J- Greg Phillips is like, I'll cooperate. I just, <laughs> I mean, I'll submit it under seal to the courts, but not publicly. I don't want to dox this guy who is. Uh, working to bust the drug cartel and have this dude get killed. But I will submit it under seal to the courts. 
So that's number two. Number three and final, that the only person who has had the data in their possession is Mike Hassan and the FBI. Okay, so Konak wants to know everybody that's ever touched the data. And Greg Phillips is saying, okay, the only person was, yes, the other guy was there in the hotel, but Hassan was the only one that had the data. He gave it to us. We gave it to the FBI. That's the chain of custody. That's it. All right, so it's really not even necessary to name this dude. So this is what they submitted on October 28th to try to get into compliance with the TRO. But regardless, this morning, October 31st, despite those submissions from Catherine and Greg, Judge Kenneth Hoyt said he never got a straight answer on who was in that Dallas hotel room, and he doesn't know how many people were there. He says the way Phillips and Engelbrecht uh, talked suggested that True the Vote did have access to the hack computer data and therefore ordered that Engelbrecht and Phillips be held in custody, taken into custody by U.S. Marshals, and uh, and kept there, and kept there until they give up the goods, give up the data. Now, I was listening to uh, Red Pill seventy eight, and I I truly respect that man. He's really good at what he does, and uh, he had a, a guest on his show that was actually. It sounded like this was my interpretation was involved and had actually seen with his own eyes the fact that the uh, personal identifying information was being stored on a server in China. Okay? (coughs) (coughs) And, uh, hold on, I've got to sip my water. And uh, in that live stream, I heard Red Pill, or Zach Payne, he was saying... We're not sure if Greg and Phillips can bond out, right? If they can post bail and get out of jail. And uh, I actually looked this up, or Jennifer Asper helped me look this up. And it turns out, and I just learned this today, you cannot bond from a contempt order. You cannot post bond. So they are stuck in jail and cannot get bailed out or post bond. They are stuck in jail. And they can be stuck in jail for up to six months. Now, here's what here's what the judge said, though. They're going to keep them in jail for one day, 24 hours, and then they're going to revisit this and see if they're willing to give up the goods. They're going to give them another chance. Are you willing to talk now? Are you willing to cooperate? Are you willing to dox this guy? Are you willing to tell us how, where, when you obtain the data, even though you already have? Uh, so, <clears throat> so they're in jail. And they cannot bail out. And I want you to consider something. Okay? Eugene Yu. Meanwhile, the guy that was allegedly, even though I'm very confident it's true, was uh, deeply embedded with the CCP and compromising personal poll worker data on a server in China. That guy was arrested on October 4th and then bailed out posted bail, and is now essentially on house arrest in a hotel room in L.A. ordering Grubhub and eating pizza and watching movies on Netflix. And so this is the this is the two-tier justice system. Eugene Yu's not in jail. Uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht, who attempted to expose Eugene Yu 
and attempted to go through all the proper legal channels, including the FBI, are the ones in jail. And, uh, you know, even to take this even a step further, Eugene Yu, this guy doesn't go back to court until after the midterm elections. And up until this point, the L.A. District Attorney, the prosecutors, have not actually presented their, their data, their findings to the court because they haven't had an opportunity to. Um, Eugene Yu was arrested based on the, uh, essentially, the complaint. The complaint from the district attorney. They say, let me make this real clear. So the, the L.A. district attorney, they um, filed a complaint alleging that they were sto- uh, Konek was storing data on a server in China and Eugene was res- arrested on the basis of this complaint, okay? But they haven't had an opportunity to present the evidence in court and won't until after the midterms. So what Eugene Yu is in the process of doing right now is attempting to compel the courts to release him from house arrest in L.A., allow him to come back to Michigan, allow him to work the midterm elections on behalf of Konek and communicate with his employees, and be untethered from the electronic monitoring device which is tracking him. They just submitted this to the courts. I I did a video about it. Eugene Yu wants to be allowed to leave L.A., go to Michigan, work the election, and be untethered from his tra- <laughs> from his tracking device. And I I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen if the, if the judge is going to allow that. But the audacity, the audacity here, and he's basically saying, "Hey, I'm I'm innocent until proven guilty, baby. So release me until I go back to court. If you got evidence, then." Okay, fine. But until then, I shouldn't be kept on house arrest and considered a flight risk. I should be allowed to continue my work. And again, he doesn't go to court until after the midterms. So it's it appears that Eugene Yu wants to work the midterms, do the deed, if you know what I'm saying. And then after that, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I'm going to maybe go to jail anyway, but... At that point, it really won't matter because I already did the did the did the dirty deed. You know, it's just crazy, man. It's just sickening. And so, uh, you know, guys, Catherine and, and Greg, I do I do believe these people are on the right side of things. And I know there's a lot of people that have uh, criticized them and questioned them. And look, I'm I'll tell you what, I don't fully trust anybody I don't know personally. I don't trust these people like I do my mother, my father, my brother. I, I, I don't know them like that. So, of course, I, I could be wrong. But let me ask you a question. Do bad actors, deep state actors, uh, get put in jail, you know, just before the midterms? And, and I mean, does this type of thing happen to bad bad actors or the good guys? I would say this type of thing, this two-tier justice system, which is completely one-sided always seems to favor the bad guys. And so this judge, Kenneth Hoyt, um, made up his mind from day one that Konek's innocent, these guys are conspiracy theorists, they committed a crime, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, put him in jail despite numerous attempts to comply to the best of their ability without violating federal law with this restraining order. It's absolutely sick, man. It's absolutely sick. 
So, I wanted to give you guys the uh, the full rundown, the full breakdown of what, what took place. And if you guys want, you can check out the actual court docket. And uh, you can go to Court Listener. I mean, if you just go into any search engine, type in Court Listener, and then Konek, the case will pop up. You can read all the documents that are publicly available. But I wanted to uh, do my best to save you guys a lot of time. And like I said, or I think I said in the beginning, you know, there's going to be people out there saying, oh, these these conspiracy theorists, election deniers got thrown in jail. Ha ha. That means that their claims are untrue. That's which is completely not the case, as you just saw. Really has nothing to do with the merits of the evidence. And I mean, these people, these people are um, going to use this as evidence that, one, the election wasn't stolen, that, two, these people are not credible, that, three, this is, um, well, yeah, I guess just two, that, you know, the election wasn't stolen and these people are not credible. But that's that couldn't be further from the case. They're trying to Jan 6, Catherine and Greg, absolutely. And what they're doing right now is they're holding them in contempt, trying to sweat them out, trying to make their lives miserable, and just put them in a pressure cooker and try to get them to talk, get them to dox their their guy and uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do I really don't considering they could be in jail for up to six months I don't know I really I really don't know but uh, they're out of commission likely until after the midterms and isn't that convenient timing for the deep state right I, I, I think timing is everything I don't think that's a coincidence whatsoever but uh, if you guys could do me a favor, smash that rumble button. If you don't mind, smash that rumble button, baby. And please share this video, post this on your social media pages, uh, help this get some more traction, more attention so people can understand the facts around this and get the full story. But ladies and gentlemen, today is Halloween. You guys know I got a, a one-year-old and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be hanging out with some friends tonight, passing out candy. So I got to get rolling. I really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to consider supporting this channel using the affiliate links in the description. And also, if you guys want to get some more more content, uh, head on over to nickmoseeder.locals.com where I'm uploading an, uh, an extra video every week for my supporters over there on Locals. So, consider doing that and uh, smashing that rumble button. Anyways, I will. I want to thank you guys for watching and I will see you uh, next time.